You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. I'm super excited because this week's uh, episode is with a friend of mine, Sarah Suzuki, and we're going to be doing a real talk episode. And our topic is going to be about how to exercise vulnerability and um, create this mutual accountability with your staff. I know that's a topic that gets discussed a lot, and Sarah is is really like the person to to listen to when it comes to this because she's sort of perfected it along the way and has a really good story to tell relating to it. So hi, Sarah, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so you and I have been talking for, I feel like a couple of years now, and we're both in Chicago and just for the listeners to get a little background, um, you have a group practice in the downtown Chicago area. Um, just tell people a little bit about kind of yourself, your practice and where it's at. And and then you can ease us into the um, exercising vulnerability and how this topic came to be an important um, part of your journey, especially this year. Yeah. uh, So our group practice is called Chicago Compass Counseling. And um, we started out with a real focus on, um, well, we still focus on self-destructive behavior counseling, but um, one of our main specializations is in alcohol moderation counseling. Um, and I started the practice solo in 2013, just focusing on moderation counseling with adult men. Um, and then in the very beginning of 2017, um, began the process of expanding into a group. Um, but that year it was sort of experimenting with the idea of being a group practice. So people I brought on were just looking for part-time gigs and we were just kind of playing around with this idea. Um, but then within six months, all of a sudden it became a lot more serious. Uh, one of my staff wanted to go full time and, uh, we had a space issue because we were operating out of a single suite office downtown. Um, and so very quickly in less than half a year, it became a really serious endeavor. Um, to the point where in January 2018, we then moved into a five office suite. And if there was any part of me that was thinking group practice was just going to be a fun hobby, um, that went way out the window. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this is a serious organization. Um, So there have been a lot of lessons learned along the way and a lot of ups and downs. Um, And I, I always am so humbled to kind of think about everything that I've learned, not just professionally, but even on a personal level. And I think that's where 
this um, idea of vulnerability and mutual accountability really comes into play, at least as a lesson uh, for me since that time. Yeah, I think one of the things that I see a lot is, um, and we talked about this before we started recording, you had brought this up, but um, in these Facebook groups, you really get to know kind of where people are at in their group practices and um, how they're functioning as a business owner in their group practice. And um, you had mentioned this, and I I really totally see this and agree, but that there's this um, feeling like that our staff don't appreciate what we do. And so there's this like feeling like we need to um, convince them of our worth as a group practice owner and what we do and, um, and, and all of that. And so that's kind of what sparked this conversation. And, and also I think sparked you, um, kind of going through this process of, of exercising that vulnerability and how you did it, which, um, I, I want you to explain to people because that's was sort of inspirational for me, um, as well with that, with that annual report. Yes. Well, yes. And the, <laughs> the annual report, which I, um, which I handed out in, um, just the very end of 2018, beginning of 2019, is a capstone project. It's almost like I got a master's degree in um, the importance of vulnerability. And that was like my thesis, right? (laughs) Um, And so I guess I want to start with talking about what really did not work. Um, Because in the beginning of 2017, and then through the process of like the move, um, I had this idea that people would really appreciate what I was doing um, if I just explained to them all of the all of the work I was doing, all the sacrifices I was making, all of the money that I was not taking home, um, all of the things that I was doing to like make their lives better, and it created this almost impossible situation where I would say, "Well, I did this, this, and that. Oh, I haven't paid myself this month," or "Oh, I'm going to have to do this. Oh, I worked all of these hours this week," and I would expect some sort. Of, I don't know what I was expecting exactly, but somehow expected that they would understand that I just done this profound thing. And what instead I would get is like, oh, wow, oh, that's, that's too much work. You should cut back a little bit. And of course, I would feel frustrated. Um, but how could I expect anyone to understand when I'm the business owner and I'm just giving them these facts and data points? I, mean, I, I also did this one thing um, right when I was starting out the group practice where I created this like fact sheet of like, here are all these things that I'm paying for as a group practice owner that you don't have to worry about. If you were in solo, you wouldn't have to worry about, uh, you would have to worry about these things. And look, I'm paying for all of this. And you know, that that's all over the Facebook group, people doing things like this. Cause I think on the surface, it seems like a smart thing to do. Like, um, how do people in group practice know, um, that they should feel grateful for working in a group practice when maybe half of their income is being, you know, air quote, taken by the group practice. We need to convince you of, you know, where that other 50% is going that, um, where that value is in. So that I feel like I'm sure you've seen it, but there's a lot of different versions of that. And I think most group practice owners have, um, done something similar to that. Oh yeah. And I had so many versions. I had Excel sheets and infographics and, emails and letters and all this stuff. And, um, and this was the, the consequence was that um, when people wouldn't immediately grasp and understand my subjective experience, just by looking at this information, I would end up feeling frustrated and resentful. And I strongly believe, and I think this comes 
out of being an addiction counselor, mm. that resentment is a sign that something is wrong and that I have the power to change it, right? So I did this several times and kept getting the same result. And finally, I was like, huh, I wonder why this isn't working. And I realized that every time I was trying to convince people about why I was so amazing and how I was making all these sacrifices and how I was this martyr for them, um, that I wasn't exercising vulnerability. I was actually putting up walls. I was being invulnerable and saying, look, here are all these things. Here are these tributes for you. And it wasn't getting at that piece that was the you know, emotional, spiritual, uh, like mental, um, like who I really am and what I'm really experiencing and what I'm afraid of, um, that I really kept those things hidden every time I was handing out these documents to convince people of everything I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to really pull back and, and uh, just consider a shift in my strategy. And that happened about um, the end of the first quarter of 2017, going into um, quarter two, like around like April or so. Um, and we had this, you know, all staff meeting um, and we'd had like, we'd, faced a number of challenges and um, people leaving or being exited out or the kinds of things that one would expect after making such a big move. Um, and I had this meeting agenda with all these talking points. And this is the first time I did this. And I ended up doing this three more times over the course of 2018. I just threw away the entire agenda. And I said, I want to pull back and talk about what's happening with our group and what I am seeing from my side and where I believe I'm falling short and, you know, where I think that all of us can step in a little bit. Um, so the first time I did this was around our group practice value. So I think almost everybody who has a business has a mission and vision and value statement um, and our values of like autonomy and flexibility and all these wonderful values. And um, what I did is I actually handed out our values and said, I want to like go through these values and acknowledge how because of the move and having to evolve very quickly, we've actually lived into the opposite and I'm the one who facilitated that. Um, And we ended up doing this like group sort of mind map together to identify all of the ways that we had gone against our values as a group. And from that, I then created this... um, working quarterly document to show my accountability measures to move us back closer towards being in integrity with our values. Um, With the other side of it being that because we do this work with our clients who are going against their own values with self-destructive behavior, that um, our team has to be in line with their values. But first, I have to be the one who's leading from a place of values. And so instead of having this sort of like, okay, here are the announcements, here are all the things that I've done, here's what you need to do, kind of a meeting. We ended up having this really open, kind of scary discussion where I didn't know what the end result was going to be, but people really appreciated that. And it felt like a a place where we began to mature as a group practice, simply by stepping out, as Brene Brown would say, into the arena and saying, okay, uh, here's where we're at, like, come at me. Um, So that was... That was kind of a profound thing, at least for me, as somebody who's kind of scared of just going in and not knowing what's going to happen. Um, I like that you bring that up. Um, one, obviously, because of, of the vulnerability piece. And I think that's something that um, we almost have to be intentional about 
because it, it's, it can, I feel like in just personally, it's easier to express that vulnerability piece in my real life versus in professional life because of just things that we've been taught about being a business owner and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so it's almost like a whole different ball game to move that um, vulnerability piece over into our business life. Um, but I also want to say um, when it comes to like mission and values, these are all like things that are brought up a lot in our Facebook groups and among um, just like practice owners talking about business stuff is, is the idea of, you know, mission statements and value systems and all that. Um, but I so often see that people create these and then never um, truly have candid discussions with their staff members about these values and what they mean to the practice owner and what it means to um, embody that as a clinician in the group practice. And also, it's um, always going to be more than a one-time conversation because um, it's something that you need to practice, you know, just like our clients do. And so, um, you know, having, and this is something that we learned in the past couple of years is I can't just say what our values are and say like, does that align with your values? If so, you know, and if you meet all these other criteria, I'll hire, I'll hire you. Um, but that you have to, um, have, uh, continuous conversations about how we lead and how we, um, work in the system of our practice, um, and, and, and hold these things, you know, in our hands and our hearts as we're, as we're doing that work. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that was, I think like I started out from, most of us don't have business backgrounds, right? So I worked for organizations where they're like, here's our mission statements and here are our values, our core values. And, you know, at the time I felt like the most important thing was to make sure I had the right values on there, that they had to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And instead, uh, what I realized is, you know, the values can really be almost anything that sort of makes sense for the business. But the most important thing is, you know, to what extent am I honoring this set of values um, through the operation of my business? And um, at least for us at that point in April 2018, um, what we realized was that the stress of the move and trying to develop very quickly and trying to be very efficient um, quite naturally had moved us away from them. And because we had stated that these are our values and because everybody had signed up for a group that would honor these values and because I had written these values, the most important thing for us as a group is to figure out how do we get closer to them? How do we move back towards what we say is important to us? Um, And so, yeah, and and creating that mirror for the work that we expect our clients to do. Um, But it's really scary. I mean, I remember starting out that meeting, I was I was shaking and I called up like two of my friends before and I was like, I don't know, like, well, what if I scare them or what if they think things are falling apart? And I mean, the bottom line is um, it wasn't really about, even though I was telling myself, oh, I'm going to scare them so it might hurt them. Um, I was mostly scared for myself. Mm-hmm. And and that's the other thing too that I've come to find with these um, with these kinds of meetings is that you know, when I'm scared or when I'm feeling like it's hard, it's important for me to also say like, it's scary for me to have to say this right now. And like, that sounds so simple, but it was really challenging for me to embrace the worth of that. Right. Um, So that was our, that was our first meeting where we really had the shift. The second meeting was what I call, it was like the crisis of 2018. And, um, So we had a number of extended leaves of absence in 2018 um, 
you know, family leave and, um, you know, hiring and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, and I'd been working, you know, with my accountant and my office manager to kind of have a plan and make sure that we were going to be okay. Um, but it became apparent as we were closing out the summer that like, maybe we weren't going to be okay because we had taken on this massive overhead and, um, I'm very intentional about like, I want to be slow to hire fast to fire if needed. So it's not like we suddenly had all these people seeing tons and tons of clients. We didn't have a ridiculous amount of revenue. So instead what I did to sort of compensate for that is I was like, well, I'll just see tons of clients and do tons of trainings and try and support people the best I can, but I'm not going to tell them that I'm a little bit scared. We're not going to pay the bills. Um, and then it got to this point um, at the end of August, as we were, um, you know, as we were getting ready for our next all staff meeting, uh, we had a major, major failure in one of our processes related to the intake line. And I started out September after Labor Day weekend, like basically staying up night after night, Labor Day weekend, being like, oh my gosh, I don't think we're going to make it. And then we had our all staff meeting, same kind of thing. I had this really detailed agenda. I threw the agenda away and I said, here's what's been happening on a systems level. And the result is, um, I know everybody's saying that it'll be easier in 2019, but I don't think we're going to make it until 2019. I think we might become insolvent before then. And I don't know what to do about it. And um, so even saying that, you know, now knowing that, there are a bunch of group practice owners who would hear me saying that. I mean, that, that was really terrifying. It was terrifying for me to sit with that and think yeah. about that and then to tell my staff. Um, and so the very next thing I said, of course, it was like this bombshell, right? Everybody looked shocked to hear me say this. And so immediately I appreciated one fact that because everybody was so shocked, because they were looking at me like I had said something they never, ever expected, it was a complete failure of my leadership because I had never indicated to any of them what was really going on and where I was struggling. And if I had been doing my job well, if I had been really leading from a place of vulnerability-based trust, then that wouldn't have been a surprise for anyone to hear at that meeting. Right. And so then what I said is, you know, I'm now going to open the rest of our time for anybody to make any comments, ask any questions about any of this, um, and, and we can have a conversation. And so then I had to sit in really prolonged silence while people were processing. And um, so the, the amazing thing about this is people asked really good questions and they turned around their staff performance in one month. And um, it, there was something that just sort of shifted in the group, right? Where they're like, okay, uh, we talked about like, how can we turn things around as a team? And um, I mean, if you just look at our numbers, uh, when I did our annual report, I did this like bar graph thing. Um, you just see that after that meeting, everything just skyrocketed. People started seeing more clients, retaining more clients um, who, you know, not retaining them, of course, unnecessarily, but like seeing right. more clients opening up their hours and really working with each other because there was this crisis where it was like, okay, we have to survive together. That means helping each other out. That means communicating about what's going on. 
and really working towards like making sure that we can survive. And that turnaround was only possible because I told the group that we were in a dire place and that I didn't know how to solve the problem. Uh, What I think is really um, amazing about that and something that I think people don't think about, including myself and I think including you at the time, is that um, there's this fear of, of being vulnerable in, in that sort of way with your staff, because there, there's maybe this underlying fear that they're all going to think we're not good business owners or that they're all going to think I need to find a different job because I don't know if I'll have one. Um, but um, in research and Brene's work and all that finds that when you can give like that, cause there's, there's the surface level. I feel like vulnerability that people think is called vulnerability, even when they read Brene's books. Um, right. Right. And then there's like the real vulnerability, which is what you're talking about. Um, I think a lot of people go to this uh, fake vulnerability, which might be something like, um, you know, I haven't been able to take a paycheck as a group practice owner because it's been really hard. Um, And that's not vulnerability. Um, And like you said, it's more of wanting to be feel like a victim or wanting to have um, clinicians feel bad for you so that they don't um, set more expectations on you or whatever. Um, but I think what can happen, um, when, when you do something like that, and I think that's what happened in your practice is, um, people all, all of a sudden turn inward, which isn't something that you would expect. And, and they think like, how can I help make this better? This person has now told me that, um, they've been carrying all this, this weight of information and, and struggle and all that. Um, when this could have been distributed among all of us, how can we like take some ownership of that and like help turn it around? I feel there's something to be said about, um, people in business, uh, wanting to be problem solvers. Um, and if they're not given the opportunity to know that they can solve a problem, like your clinicians or like my clinicians, when I, um, when we talked about this before the recording that I tend to be not, um, the idea of vulnerability, I've read all her books. They, they on, uh, paper are exactly what I want to be, but oftentimes, um, in my business life is much harder than in my personal life to, to open that vulnerability up in an authentic way. Um, because there's this set of, um, ideals that I've been taught and that's just on the internet and in books we read, um, that we need to be stoic and, um, our thing and our problem. Um, and so it's really, I, I think this is a good story because I, um, it shows that when you are truly vulnerable in the real definition of it, um, that oftentimes people are going to in, in the workplace are going to turn around and figure out like, how the hell can I help make this thing better? Um, and, and they're likely not the ones that are going to turn around and run away and leave. Um, you, those people are the ones, the people that leave are typically the ones that, um, in this kind of case would be the ones that feel like they have no idea what's going on and they're scared. Uh, and they feel like they're not a part, a real part of the practice, right? Like I'm just here to see clients, but I'm not a real part of the practice. And I think what you did literally showed the opposite. Yeah. And it's, you know, afterwards, of course, I was thinking to myself, my gosh, like I know everybody on my team's work history and background and how they're with clients. And they've done exceptional, incredible things like working at other organizations and building up other organizations and, you know, being skillful clinicians. And 
you know, what I was doing by just trying to shoulder everything by myself is I was really kneecapping their ability to use those skills and gifts in my group. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it shouldn't have been a surprise that they all rose to the occasion and, and turned things around. But it really was a surprise because I had never put myself out there like that before. And, um, and, and that really is how I think vulnerability leads to mutual accountability because you're right. It's like insane that like, here's where I'm at. Here's where things really are. It then invites the people we're talking to, to reflect on what they can do in that moment. And, and it really does mirror the therapy relationship that, you know, sure, a client, a new client may call and pick up the phone because they think, okay, I need somebody to solve my problem. But the healing and the problem solving really comes from our clients being able to, you know, move through and generate their own solutions to what is going on in their lives. And that what they come to us for is that relationship to have that space to figure it out. Right. Um, but I mean, I definitely fell into that problem solving trap. And so that was sort of the third big piece of um, 2018 is we had our last all staff meeting in December. And I'm sure you can guess now it's like, this was another meeting where I threw out the agenda um, because I really wanted to reflect on the past year and to think about how are we going to grow as a team in 2019 um, and also recognize that for all of us, we came from backgrounds and workplaces and educational institutions where we were maybe trained to go opposite of the values of our group. Um, Team culture is extremely important to me and having a healthy organization is extremely important to me. I think it is it is my number one priority. And um, vulnerability-based trust is the foundation for that. Um, but looking at all of our backgrounds, and we reflected on this as a group, most of us came from places that were valuing titles and hierarchy and competitiveness and trying to like one down other people so you could one up yourself. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Again, part of this came from me leading with uh, a reflection on what I had learned about myself working in environments like that, and um, and then inviting everybody else to reflect on that themselves so we could come up with commitments to build a healthy team culture in 2019. And so that was really, the I think, the first meeting where we began to move towards that you know vulnerability and mutual accountability as a group. Um, And that's what led to the annual report, which um, you referenced earlier in our conversation, where it's one thing for me to have these meetings where I say, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable right now. But I I really wanted to document, here are the lessons I learned this year, and this is what our group learned together. And these are the opportunities um, that I missed as a leader in 2018. And here are my commitments moving forward. And I wanted to not only document and distribute a booklet to staff. Um, I didn't want to have it online because I wanted people to be able to hold it and have it. Um, But I also gave it to uh, some of our contractors. So we have a clinical consultant who comes in for monthly clinical consultation who facilitates that um, to our intake coordinator, our office manager, to our accountant, and also to family members who have loaned money to us to um, expand our group practice to say, okay, here, here's what we wanted to do in 2018, and here's where we fell short, and here's where we're going. Because I really want that 
vulnerability and accountability to be at every level of our relationships uh, with people within our group and also outside of our group and in our community. And um, it felt like a very therapeutic exercise to create it, but again, to deliver it and to hand it out and ship it out felt pretty scary. And I got to tell you, every single person responded really, really well to it. Yeah. Um, I took note from you on this because you showed me this report um, before you had sent it out. And I was like, holy shit, you're really like, tell, <laughs> tell, you're telling them stuff. Like this is just this all, is out, there. all out there. And I was like sweating for you because I was like, I, I, I can't, I could not do that. Like this is just, that's just something <laughs> I would keep to myself. Um, and I really like thought about this for a good couple of weeks after you sent it to me. And then I was like, I'm just going to write this because it's never been a part of my thing to write how things are going, where things went well, stats, where things went, you know, where I fell short, any of that kind of stuff. I was never in my radar to have to, or, or to want to give that information out. I always was like, this is just my thing as a business owner. And my clinical director, she knows because we have meetings and we talk about where I need to make some changes and you know, that kind of stuff. But like, everyone else doesn't need to know this. That's, you know, my lacking in vulnerability on the business end. Um, and so I was like, I'll just write one, a hypothetical one. It'll be all the yes. legitimate stuff, but I, I'm probably not going to give it to anyone. Um, and I wrote it. It took me like probably 40 hours in this like uh, yes. three night uh, weekend uh, span, really like digging deep into all these different areas. Um, and then I held on to it. I mean, I literally gave it out in this month in January because I was like, I I wasn't going to um, because it felt way beyond what's my comfort level. Um, and, and, um, I ended up like literally just throwing it out there, like not, not thinking, which is this, this the way things work for me. It's like, um, (laughs) I, I, when I was like younger, um, I forget what it's called. It's not skydiving, but it's like this big thing where you go up really high and like you're, it's almost like bungeeing, but not really similar. And it's like the world's tallest sky something. Um, I did it when I was in high school and I'm like the person who just has to um, like not think otherwise just I just jump. won't do it. Yep. Just jump. Um, and that tends to be my, my way in business. Like I, I think things through, but then I get to a point where I know I can talk myself out of it. And so I, once I get beyond this, like thinking through why this is a good or not good idea. And it, and, and I know deep down that the overwhelming, um, majority of my, uh, thought process has been like, this would be a good thing to do, but they're, the no's are just, um, trying to overbear it. That's when I just go like, boop, I don't even think I, I click that button and press send, or I, I, I send that thing out or I say that thing I wasn't going to say. Um, and that's what I did with this. It was like probably January 5th or 6th or something like around there. Um, and same, same as you, I, I sat there literally thinking I might, um, have a heart attack and, yes. and then little by little, um, I was getting like emails from people who are like, wow, I didn't realize this or, this is like so thorough. Thank you so much for giving us this information. Like, and I, all I thought was like, what was I scared of? And now, um, we're even more connected than I thought we could be, which I thought I'm all about workplace culture. It's like nine, 90% of what I spend my time on my group practice. And it was a major missing point. Um, and so I got to say, uh, lesson learned from you. Uh, oh, thanks friend. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know, I mean, I think the story I was telling myself was that I was going to hurt people 
by scaring them or by, you know, giving them problems that, you know, were just beyond them that would make them feel helpless. And those were just thoughts or rationalizations. The reality was, and, and now I know this, now I know the sensation of like, when I have that sort of heart attack feeling where I'm like, oh my gosh, um, that when I'm having that feeling that that's the moment for me to step forward because, um, because people want to know what's going on and they want to have a sense of who we really are and where we feel hopeful and where we don't know the answer to certain things or where we um, have not yet been able to envision or plan certain things. And um, that helps, I think it helps our team members locate themselves um, in relation to where they are with our group. And um, I, I just keep finding that it facilitates wonderful conversations around growth, um, both individually for staff members and with one another. And um, every single time, it's also a huge growth point for me to realize that um, I'm doing the opposite of hurting my staff when I exercise vulnerability. I'm actually giving them this gift that even if it's some sort of like, you know, like bombshell, like I did in September, where I'm like, oh my gosh, I really scared them, um, that then they can relax because they know what's going on. I mean, the bottom line is our staff can tell when we're preoccupied or scared or something's going on. Um, we seem distracted and they start coming up with theories as to what's going on. And when we can just name what's happening and what we don't know and what our struggle is, it helps people begin to think through, okay, what can I do right now? And how can I be accountable to this group? Um, and it builds more loyalty, not less. Yeah. And what I find is that when we, when we let people know uh, in our businesses that we need their help, um, you know, there's, I think there's, at least for me, there's this underlying, like, I want to do everything so that they have as little to do as possible. Like, I want them to make as much money and just see clients. And if I could get someone else to write their notes for them, I would do it because I want them to be able to make the most doing the little, the least amount of work. And that was always um, kind of how I looked at things. Um, And I think, you know, in in just watching your journey with this um, throughout the past couple of months, uh, realizing that, when people are given an opportunity opportunity to do more, um, it actually makes them feel more invested. And I think this we, there's a lot of talk um, uh, among group practice owners on like how what else do your clinicians have to do other than see clients? And like I my you know my practice um, I have an admin and a biller and a this person and that person. they they just can come and see clients and go. Um, and in reality, I think what um, I'm seeing now in in that is I wonder how um, how connected the clinicians feel to just the business as a whole if that's happening, if they're not being given the opportunity to hold on to, like we're handling them almost like with kid gloves in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so, well, then I think too, like what this sense of safety that gets created when we create vulnerability-based trust is what leads to our clinicians being creative. Right. So the other side that I've noticed um, in, in the past, you know, six months in particular, even like the past few months, is that simply by being vulnerable and creating that safety, now my team, um, they're generating a lot more creative ideas. And when I say creative ideas, I don't mean something where someone's like, oh, why don't you do this? Or can you make this? Like, it's not like that, where they're saying, hey, 
I really think that I should start a training um, for this place, this place, and this place. I've reached out to this place and this is kind of how I want to do it. Like, what do you think? Like, do you feel like that would be something that is a value add for our group? Or, um, oh, I'm thinking of starting um, this kind of group and I'm envisioning how that might fit with our, you know, where we're going. Like, how do you see that potentially fitting in our timeline? Like, um, here are some resources I think we might need. Like, what are some steps you would recommend? And that people are able to be creative and to really move more deeply into the practice as team members um, because they feel safe, right? right. Yep. Yeah. And um, so it, it just has been, and, and this is some, it's not something where like, okay, yeah, now I can be vulnerable without any fear and I, I've learned my <laughs> lesson. I've actually learned that real vulnerability is something where I'm always going to feel scared before I go there and that that's not going to go away, but it's actually a sign that I am doing the right thing. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I'm, um, I know this goes off of our kind of real talk because now I'm going to ask you a question that kind of is directed at listeners. Um, but just as a way to wrap this all in a nice little bow, um, what, suggestion or tip or thing you wish you knew or one thing, I don't care what, um, would you give to our group practice owners who are listening who maybe aren't yet on the vulnerability train um, in practice, but are in theory when it comes to just the um, idea of exercising vulnerability and creating this like mutual accountability, whether it's because there's a big uh, crisis happening or whether it, there isn't because, you know, there, it might not be that someone has a crisis right now in their group practice, but they are, you know, kind of learning from this, um, discussion that, you know, maybe they need to be leaning more into it. Is there a tip or a piece of advice or a, a something that you'd want to give as a wrap up? Yeah. Um, so, you know, even for a group that is not in crisis, right. Um, one thing that I, I believe in wholeheartedly now after what I've learned over the past um, year in particular is to say, okay, what is it that our group has to accomplish in the next six months? Um, and, and not just like, you know, the normal like, oh, yeah, we should see lots of clients or, oh, we should bring on some new staff because that's just like just sort of the normal stuff of a business. And, right. and this is straight out of like uh, Patrick Lencioni. You're at the ideal team player and a bunch of other terrible business books, but instead to say, okay, if we were to accomplish one thing as a group in the next six months, what is the key thing that we have to accomplish outside of our standard operating procedure? And to then um, to share that with the group, um, or if you have a, a mature group where um, you know people are at the table and they've got ideas, or you have a larger group where you've got lots of people who are in leadership positions, to sit down and actually draft that out together. Um, and that I think is where uh, we can begin to intentionally build in vulnerability outside of crisis moments to say, okay, this is the one thing we have to accomplish in the next six months. Um, and, uh, and how are we going to sort of build that out? Um, and I, I think that that's a more approachable way for a lot of people to envision vulnerability without having to, um, wait for something terrible to happen right. or a crisis moment. Um, and, and the real trick is, I think, for that for that to be vulnerable is to say, okay, it's not about metrics. So it's not like, oh, in the next six months, I want us to bring in like a million in revenue. Like 
It's not a metric. Right. Um, and it's also not a standard operating procedure like, oh, we should, you know, uh, not lose any of our clinicians or we should get another location. It could be that we're going to launch the new location and, you know, thrive as a group within that location. Um, right. And so that that's certainly something that we uh, we've started practicing going into 2019 that I think has really given us um, a shared vocabulary for defining what we do both individually in our roles, but also as a team. I love that. Um, Sarah, thank you. This has been really awesome. And I think people are going to get, get a ton of value from this, um, from your learning experience. And I'm just personally as a, a friend, so excited and happy that, um, it's all like coming to a good place. Cause I, I know that was a, a rough, um, year, year and a half or so. And I feel like what you're doing is pretty darn amazing. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. And it yeah. was, it was a wild year and a half, but, um, <laughs> you know, we feel, we feel really good going into the next stage of things. So thank you. Yeah. And I think, um, it's helpful for group practice owners to hear, um, not always the ups and what's working, um, because a lot of people talk about like lessons they learn, but through the lens of this, like, I'm already in this other place in positivity without talking about the messy middle that they had to go through to get there. Um, so that's why I love these real talks because we're really going to be talking about those messy middles and, and you were able to do that. Cause I think that just brings the common humanity of being a group practice owner out there. Um, so that because every single group practice owner who's listening to this and who's not listening to this has had some form of a, of a crisis of sorts, whether it's a financial one, whether it's a um, clinician retention one, whether it's a, um, you know, where am I moving forward with this business type? Um, there's, there's always something that happens. And I feel like too much in our um, industry, people um, only come out after to discuss these things after the fact. And, and then they kind of skirt over the hard parts and just talk about like how they just got to the better place, you know? Mm-hmm. So well, this was really valuable. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a good one, lady. All right. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.